Hello and welcome to Additive Insight, your source for news, interviews and comment on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence. Additive Insight is brought to you by the editorial team behind TC Magazine, which includes our group content manager, Sam Davis. Hello, Sam. Hello, Laura. And junior editorial content producer, Oliver Johnson. Hi. Hi, and I'm Laura Griffiths, Head of Content at TCT. Um, firstly, can you believe that the last time that we sat down together to record an edit- editorial roundtable was back in Chicago in May for Rapid Plus TCT? Or was it maybe TC360? Either one. 360. It was a long time ago. It must mm-hmm. have been 360, right? Yeah. That's Well, yeah, it, was it was June, and it's now the end of August. So just for our listeners, we don't hate each other. Uh, it's just that Sam has been busy filling the podcast with lots of other good one-on-ones with um, various industry figures and more innovators and innovators conversations, which I really recommend you go back and listen to. Um, they've been put out over the last few weeks, some some really, really great ones there, particularly the Hollywood Innovations one, which I urge you to go back and check out. Um, but yes, it's been it's been a long time, but it's nice that we are together again. You make it sound like we don't sit on the same desk. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is true. This is true. And our desk has been very nice to sit at this week because uh, our lovely con- uh, conference producer, Lou, has brought in uh, chocolate for us. So I feel like I've actually wanted to be sat in work and at that desk this week, not just with you guys. <laughs> um, they're almost all gone. It's just me, uh, okay. Ian and Lou in the contact room today and there's just Snickers and Mars bars. <laughs> When I got back to my desk last night after that last meeting, someone had left a, a, a Milky Way on my desk. I don't know who it was, but I was so glad about that. Oh, I noticed that Milky Way because when I went to the um, the tub of chocolates before I left, there were just Mars and Snickers. Oh. I did spot the Milky Way, but I assumed that you just nabbed that, Laura, and I thought, obviously, no. if you were unaware of that, I might have just taken it. I don't know why. Oh, well, I'm glad you didn't because it was very nice to arrive to when I didn't finish work till like near to six o'clock. So that was good. Um, But we're here together again. And this time we're here not to talk about um, celebrations, um, but it is kind of a celebration because we're talking about our return to TTD Asia, which goes back to Shanghai next week. This will be the first trip back to China for our team since uh, 2019. Um, And I know there's a lot of excitement in the office about returning to get a first hand look at some of the what I think is the additive manufacturing market's most interesting market, really. So lots to see, um, lots of big companies to to reconnect with. And of course, there have been um, multiple TCT Asia events that have, have happened over the last uh, few years, um, some twice in, in one year, actually. Um, so, you know, we've, we've continued to see lots coming out of that event uh, since 2019. But um, I know for me, TCT Asia has always been a bit of a fascinating one because you get to see a lot of local but very well established technologies that you might not otherwise get to see throughout the year at other events say in America or or Germany or wherever um, and I remember the first time I got the chance to go in 2015 I think it was um, I first saw companies like bright laser technologies were the industrial metal technology which at the time was very unheard of to me you know I hadn't really um seen it adopted um you know outside of china and now you look at that company and you know their machines have been adopted all over the world it's been really nice to think back about when i first got to go and then see how companies like that that were new at the time have grown um and just i remember chatting to casey melvin last year who is the co-ceo of the future of jewelry so a company that uses 3d printing for personalized jewelry and you know she told us how it was actually tc asia that led the company to see how 3d printing could really play a part 
in what was then a very new business. I remember she described it, the like walk in the show floor as like getting a, a masterclass in, in 3D print. And so, I mean, that's really nice to look at how the show has evolved and honestly, how, how big it is, because I think, because we haven't been back in so many years, you know, we can almost forget how, how, how massive this show actually is for us. And Sam, what's your kind of snapshot view of TCT Asia? Yeah, so I was I was there the last time anybody from from TCT was there, which is four and a half years ago somehow. Um, <laughs> wow. I've had an entire pandemic since then, um, and because of that, the shows had to move uh, temporarily from a March to a September. But um, I guess back then it would have been on a similar trajectory to the to you know Fall Next, which people would um, class as the the biggest additive manufacturing event in the world i would i would say that pre-pandemic tct asia wasn't far behind that in terms of Mm -hmm. the number of exhibitors the number of visitors and the you know the the number of halls and the the size of the floor space um i think it probably because of covid um like when i when i looked at the the stats there were twelve thousand visitors there last year Mm -hmm. um i i expect that'll probably jump back to a higher number this year now that um, obviously China's relaxed their COVID restrictions and you know even even the last time we ran this event they it was postponed wasn't it from its original yeah day and, and it ended up happening a few weeks later and there was you know all of that kind of uncertainty there has been none of that obviously this time so as organizers us and our, our partners um, at VNU have had a had the opportunity to kind of have a free run in it um, mm-hmm. for the entire year so that's been good so I expect it all it'll kind of get back to normal um but like you say it's there's a few kind of western companies out there who who go and um exhibit themselves there's a few more who who do it through their reseller channels but most of the of the people and most of the um companies you find in those in those halls are, are you know based in china operating out mm-hmm. of china and although you'll have heard of some of them like maybe a few of the companies we'll talk about today there's you know, there's so many there that you would you would kind of never get the chance to see unless you're there on the ground. Um, and a lot of it, I guess, is, you know, Me Too technologies. Uh, they're similar to what we have out here. But, um, you know, I think as we'll touch on today, there, there is kind of developments out there that we're, we're not necessarily seeing over here mm-hmm. um, in terms of the, the technologies and the machines and, and the applications. So um, I'm looking forward to once um you know the event is underway next week seeing what um what comes back across from from our team out there and and from the the press announcements Mm -hmm. and ollie you've only been with us for just over a year now so first of all mini Mm -hmm. pause to say for that Uh, we haven't (laughs) just yet um so you haven't had the opportunity to travel uh to visit tc asia yet but you have reported on, on many of these companies over the last year. So I guess this must be quite interesting of you seeing, you know, waiting to see what kind of news comes out of this event, because as, as Sam just mentioned, there will be companies that people are, are not as familiar with and um, that we're, we're bound to, to get launches from next week. One of the, the big names that, you know, I've seen pop up when I've had press releases coming in and when I've looked back on our coverage of uh, companies that have been at TCT Asia, the the name mm-hmm. that always comes up is Farsoon. Yeah. Um, and just this year alone, they've had a lot of announcements. And um, I think Sam's got a bit more info on what they might bring be bringing to the show. But uh, 
they've opened I think two new facilities already this year and they've got a partnership with Siemens for mm-hmm. industrial 3D printing so I think big things are happening with them mm-hmm. um I think we've got about six or seven stories just from them in 2023 so yeah <laughs> lots happening <laughs> yeah yeah they're well, always good for an announcement at TCT Asia as well um, 100%. so and um, we don't know an awful lot about what they're what they're launching next week but we have been told it's a gigantic metal machine um and they've already got a few big ones so i'm gonna place some emphasis on on gigantic and consider that to mean that it's <laughs> even bigger but um yeah that like they they um for those who don't know that their kind of focuses in powder bed fusion technologies across polymers and metals similar i guess to, to eos um out of germany and, and north america um and for that reason, I guess a gigantic metal machine we can probably assume to be another powder bed machine, um, because that's where their focus has been so far. Um, the, their biggest metal machines to date <clears throat> are the the FS seven two one M times four and the FS six two one M times four. Both mm. of those utilize four five hundred watt lasers. The former has a one twenty seven liter build volume. And, and the latter a 423 litre build volume, um, but the the latter with the, the F6, F621M uh, <clears throat> has the capability to print over a metre in, in, in height. Um, and then there's another machine which far soon haven't, they've announced it, but it hasn't been commercially launched yet, uh, which is the FS721M times eight. That's a platform that has a 127 litre build volume, but with eight one kilowatt lasers <clears throat> so i'm going to guess that this gigantic metal machine is either an fs 721m system with a one meter z height or an fs 621m platform with eight maybe even more one kilowatt lasers um i suppose it could be a, a 721m with um with you know even more eight than eight lasers um mm-hmm. obviously slm over in in europe have have released bigger machines with more lasers and bigger build volume so i i'm going to assume far sooner on that kind of trajectory themselves in terms of the development of their of their metal machines Mm -hmm. um but i guess we'll find out for sure next week once the um once the press announcement's made um and then as ollie says like they've been busy all year there's there's a new r&d hq um, which I think has got like 140,000 square meters of floor space and that's going to have the capacity for application development and machine manufacturing and a service center. And then I think at the start of the year, they announced that the first phase of <clears throat> um, another facility has been completed. That's an advanced material factory. And that has the capacity to to produce 500 tons of material. Um, and then I think the R&D facility they, they announced this year phase one of that will be completed by Q1 next year as well. So they've got a lot going on. They've always got materials developments. Um, they, they, you know, they're also busy on their, <clears throat> their polymer side as well. They, you know, they've got their flight technology um, with the H2, HT 1001P. Um, so that, I think last year they announced that was going through like beta testing. Um, and that again has got a massive build volume of like 1,000 by 500 by 450 milliliters. Um, and I think again that was probably launched at um, at TCT Asia. Certainly, flight technology was. Um, I think mm, that was yeah. in twenty nineteen. I remember me and Dan were, were there um, doing the interviews for that. So they they've always got a lot going on. But 
yeah, next week from them, we're, we're expecting a new metal machine. They, they are one of those companies where when, yes, we get we get announcements from them um, all the time. But I think, you know, you underestimate how how much their technology has, has really been adopted by industry. I mean, what was it in 2021? We got those, um, you know, really impressive numbers in terms of install base. I think it was 2021 um, mm. where they reached around 500 um, systems installed globally that was including polymers and metals more than 150 in operation at service providers 80 of those in the aerospace and automotive sectors and then record months where they sold like over 40 machines in, in in just one month i mean some of the predictions you've just made then some about what this gigantic machine could be it were we are certainly seeing demands from those kind of sectors like automotive and aerospace for these large format multi-laser highly productive systems so i can only see if, if that does turn out to be to be what we think it is then um you know I'm, I'm sure we'll see more and more impressive figures like that in future from this company so i'm really um, intrigued to see what this is going to be next week yeah they're one of those companies i think that um they've always just had a like had a focus they've stuck to the one technology um oh. and kind of gradually but never never in a hurry never in a rush developed developed the technology kind of increased the build volumes increased the number of lasers and the power of the lasers they they went public um this year via an ipo um i think that was maybe around march time they announced that um mm. and so they've, they've been able to kind of get that um you know public investment as well to kind of take them on and um, i looked before they're trading at like an equivalent of around five US dollars at at the time of recording, with a, a market cap of around one point six billion uh, mm. US dollars or eleven point nine two billion in in Chinese currency. So when you when you kind of put all of that into account, yes, they're only kind of dealing in in this one, maybe we can call it two areas of, of the technology. If you consider polymer and metal um, powder bed, um, slightly different things. They they kind of are one of one of the leaders in this industry, but I, I guess because they're, they're, you know, they're based out of China, obviously they've expanded into Europe and North America, but headquartered in China, we probably overlook them, but yeah, one of these companies that kind of, you, there's never any drama. It, mm-hmm. just, you know, they do kind of what they're supposed to do um, and, and doing it successfully so far. So yeah, I, you know, and like I say, like every time we come to um, at East Asia, there's, there's usually something, else that they're ready to share with us so whatever it is that that comes next week um you know i think we can be quite excited about and i that said i don't think it'll be anything too um too far from from what the likes of slm solutions and, and eos and and velo 3d are already doing in, mm-hmm. in the metal powder bed space but they, they're kind of keeping pace with with those guys i would say just i did i don't know what you said sam about their launches at tct I looked as I was looking on the website. They've launched a new system at every TCT Asia for the past five years. Wow! There we go. <laughs> there you go. That that's a good stat to uh, to to go ahead with then. And um, we'll be talking to our um one of our colleagues Dan next week in a sort of a live podcast thing where we're hoping he'll get a bit of a first look at some of the stuff on the show floor so fingers crossed we'll be uh we'll have the news pretty soon about whatever this machine turns out to be he doesn't know it but I have promised that he will <laughs> he will go to to see far soon to check that out so he will do that well that's his favorite thing when sent to places <laughs> he doesn't know about <laughs> he, he likes far soon I know that already so we're good. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, so we've been chatting to some companies like Farsoon over the last two weeks to find out what they're bringing to the show floor and um, you know like similar to Farsoon some have been a bit um, a bit sort of quiet about what they're actually going to present you know trying to keep the big reveal in time for the show um, and one of the companies I've already mentioned today uh, who will be there next week is BLT Bright Laser Technologies um, this is a metals company that has just is another one really that's been kind of going from strength to strength over the last few years and um they've reported a, a amazing installation figures for for this year alone it's been their strongest ever year to date for machines now sold in over 20 countries this summer it opened a new R&D center in Shanghai to drive new technology developments um and we've also heard like a lot of interesting application stories i think one of the most interesting was I think it's either last month or potentially June. Um, it had a series of metal 3D printed components on board the successful land space launch mission. Um, so that included some components printed on its BLT S310 and BLT S400 machines. So um, lots and lots happening over at, at BLT. Um, and they're a company that got a real a real range of technologies. You know, they, they've got kind of the smaller sort of R&D style, certain entry-focused mach- machines, um, all the way up to some of those, um, those like you've just been talking about, Sam, some of those those, those huge machines as well. So um, we had a conversation with um, Eliza Dwan, who is the head of overseas business at BLT, who told us what visitors can expect from the company in Shanghai next week. And she talked about how over the years at TCT Asia, BLT has kind of had these different missions. And um, going back to the show two years ago, this was all about this era of mass production with this real emphasis on metal additive batch manufacturing, really lowering the threshold of adopting the technology, making it more accessible to people. And they called it make it possible, make it affordable. And and you know, we we, we certainly have have seen that with this this rate of adoption that that they've reported over the last few years. Um and it really is about getting um well, the the way they described it was was you know getting millions of machines um in, into factories, which is a huge ambition. Um, but the way they're going at the minute is it somehow doesn't feel that far fetched. Um, so they're going to present next week um their most recent batch manufacturing solutions for the industrial sector. This includes things like um an automated powder circulation system, large format AM solutions, um, and also it's BLT MES production line management system. So they've really got the whole end-to-end you know powder software and then machine side covered with this with this batch manufacturing system um, and at the same time this other is going to be bringing a lot of application examples from industries like aerospace medical uh, mold and dye electronics and plenty of other things uh, as well just whether it's bicycle parts uh, uh, racing car parts that sort of thing so there'll be plenty uh, to see on the show floor um, but similar to Farsoon Sam they they have hinted that they're going to be keeping some things under wraps until the doors open and said the latest exhibits will be unveiled for the first time on site so keep your eyes peeled so um, that's another one you'll have to send Dan to uh, unfortunately. <laughs> that one's your job if you've been in touch with them you've got a sometimes behalf. Well, I think again, that's another. They're another really interesting company, as I mentioned in my, you know, at, at the start. They're a company that I feel like we, we've really followed mm. from the beginning, and and they've also chosen TST Asia to to launch several of of their machines, and um, you know, perhaps this next one will be something in a similar vein, or a larger technology. Maybe it is that that multi laser sort of thing that we're going to see, but um, it could be absolutely anything at this point. We know it's obviously going through metals, um, but I think yeah, just just. An, 
the kinds of applications that they've been reporting on, whether it's been medical applications or things that are going into space. Again, lots of proof points about, about this, how this technology has been adopted on an industrial level. And um, I just think it, there'll be some interesting things to see there next week. And again, another one I'm excited to see what what this new machine or, or, or whatever, it, maybe it's not a machine, uh, whatever it is, mm. um, when it gets unveiled, when the doors open next week. Yeah, well, I think they announced earlier this year, didn't they? Did they had a, a machine with eight lasers and the capacity for up to 12 mm. lasers. Um, yeah. And even just from, from our reporting on that, like, there's there's you know um references to that to their work with copper materials and they've been they've mm-hmm. been working on on those since since 2016 when they you know they were developing exhaust nozzles that had 50 integrated cooling channels so i know it's no surprise that that china is kind of um you know pretty much exactly where where kind of the western markets are at given the sheer size of its um you know manufacturing markets yeah but we we probably don't probably because we don't see it so much um in the flesh when we when we go traveling um we don't report on it as much but you know companies like blt and, and far soon and i know we're gonna come on to another one now in, in e plus they you know they're keeping pace and i would argue with what we we're going to talk about next they're probably leading the way um a mm-hmm. lot of the time Oh yeah, and and as you say, Sam, we, because we don't always see it, we don't always realize what kind of impact they're actually having. But a company like BLT, for example, that's the first and only qualified supplier in Asia for manufacturing Airbus flying parts with additive right. manufacturing. And you know, we talk a lot about three D printing at Airbus, but uh, really do actually hear about the actual machines that 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 yeah. are really going into that. And um, you know, so that's quite interesting in itself how that technology is. Is, is being trusted by such an organization uh, like that and that is for the large format multi-laser metal systems as well so um, as you say really keeping a pace with that growing trend in the industry but in you know in some ways perhaps leading it as well so another company we're going to talk about is e plus 3d who have also um, been focusing quite heavily on um, large format multi-laser systems so um e plus were chatting to us earlier this week and said they're bringing in their metal technology and plenty of application examples they haven't specifically said what machines are going to be on the show floor which made me kind of think maybe there is going to be a launch i'm not too sure maybe they've just been a little bit quiet about it but we will see next week um, so readers may be familiar with E plus 3D for their huge nine laser EP M1250 system, which has got a 1250 by 1250 by uh, 1350 a millimeter build volume. So again, huge, huge build volume. And this has been part of this growing trend for multi-laser systems over the last few years. Um, and just something that I thought was quite interesting. Um, you know, I know when we were kind of preparing to, to come in for this chat, we were looking back at some industry figures from uh, Mark Intelligence Company Context. And um, something they noted was just this um, increase in uptake in powder bed fusion systems. So the sales of powder bed fusion systems in the last quarter made up 77% of industrial metal shipments. And this was really due to this market demand for these more productive larger systems that, that we're seeing from companies like this and amongst some of the names that you might expect like slm and eos e plus 3d were actually highlighted as one of the top performers within this category so um you know not only is this a it's a a huge area of interest for people buying uh, metal additive manufacturing systems but you know e plus are, are way up there with 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 some of these names that we're f- perhaps more familiar with um and when I asked them about some application examples that, that um, they could share, one that I found really, really interesting was 
they actually printed some parts for um, a foldable mobile phone earlier this year. So uh, the company Honor has announced it, it's Magic B2 uh, foldable phone, and it includes uh, 3D printed titanium alloy parts, um, which were part of its screen scroll solution. So it makes it an extremely lightweight phone. It weighs only 231 grams and 9.9 millimeter thickness. Um, and so this is this is all part of this kind of collaboration. Um, there's a company called Golden Sun in China who helped create this alloy shaft cover and um, and use this E plus 3D metal 3D printing and um, technology to produce the part. So I believe there are other um, AM companies within China that were also part of this this foldable phone project. But um, I think when we talk about consumer products, um, maybe smaller things like mobile phones you don't often think of particularly with metal a and parts you know you've they've got to be so precise so precise and um i imagine so so tiny for something of this scale so i think that's just a really interesting application um in itself we've heard little rumblings over the last year about um apple potentially using bits of metal 3d printed parts within its new products and it's great to see an example like this that's already been showcased that does actually feature uh, metal 3d printed parts have you guys got any sort of thoughts on what we might get from e plus next week if we do get anything new from them do you also think maybe it's going to be more lasers on top of a large format machine i i would imagine so um but what i what i like about that is because i think when when these companies come out with their, their bigger machines and bigger lasers the the um the justification and, and the motivation for it is usually oh people in like aerospace and defense want these yeah. big chunky parts and what i like about you know that that mobile phone application is those parts are going to be like tiny, aren't they? Those little yeah. hinges. Um, if you just think of the, I've seen one of those. My, I've got a friend who's got one of those um, foldable phones that aren't really for me. I think they're stupid, but they're, they're no bigger than <laughs> they're no bigger than you know my phone that's sitting in front of me right now. Um, and so the, you know the components that go into it are going to be tiny. And what I like is you're filling those big machines with all of those lasers with these tiny parts, and that's the only way really that. They, th- this industry is going to get into mass production if it's at all mm. possible. And um, I was doing some reading up about the the components, um, just some of the other other coverage out there of of the 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 foldable phone. Um, and, and you know these parts are going through like hundreds of thousands of of folds during testing. Obviously, if it's to do with the actual um, folding concept, they're they're quite important components. Yeah, to to function and and yeah, I guess we don't. We've seen you know mass polymer three D printed parts produced. We've not seen too many metal parts. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you've got you've got healthcare and, and aerospace that, that do produce metal parts and they they do so in in smaller volumes. But an application like this, I I you know the volumes could be, I don't know, dread to think what kind of number if if they're manufacturing on a phones in. <laughs> In a country yeah. of over a billion people, like the the volumes could be um, an insane number, and I, again, it just underlines the progress that um, the Chinese market is making. A with the with the technology, and B with the applications. But like, not just in terms of developing the application and making it, and and it being possible to, um, you know, mass manufacture with three D printing, but doing it with a with a technology from a Chinese company, it kind of mm. backs up that. Although that China hasn't been leading the way in terms of the in, initial innovation, in terms of what those pro- processes are and what they do, they they you know they can keep pace with with the capabilities and they can make a mass production application work by the sounds of it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I do just want to talk a little bit more generally just about um about the market in China because as I said at the start, it's always felt very different to go there and to see these companies that we don't always get to see. Um, and and you know when when we do get news stories from companies like Farsoon and hear that they they're selling you know, multiple machines to 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 vendors and and people are 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 really just churning products out using their technologies. You know you do feel like there's this kind of whole um whole other additive world there that we we don't always get to see um and looking back at some of those reports from from context it's been quite an interesting market to follow over the last few years as we've seen um a bit of a boom of people um really buying products um from the marketplace but also to use um within china but then also as we've seen kind of the downfall sometimes as well when as we've all faced various disruptions and and all these different factors that have happened to us over the last few years because of the pandemic and i think that um that China's one of those places that's kind of had varying effects from that. You know, we saw this demand for consumer products, for example, at the start of the the pandemic, where people wanted to, um, people wanted to print various um, PPE, face shields, things like that, using consumer-based uh, 3D printers at home. But due to supply challenges, because much of that was coming from China, this was left unmet during the first first year because we couldn't really um, we couldn't really deal with those those um, supply chain backlogs and and you know overcome those challenges. But and again, industrial users all over the world were being cautious about their spends at the start of the pandemic. You know, even though we had this mini hype about how additive manufacturing um, could be used as a supply chain plug, and people would you know be printing products right next to where they needed them and that sort of thing. Even though we had all of this 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 kind of good stuff around the technology, you know, the reality was that a lot of industrial users were were not necessarily spending and, and installing machines. But then the market really bounced back, and I do think it was. No, TCT Asia was was one of those places where we actually really saw kind of the the industry coming back to life when we had that first exhibition, like post, um, you know, post the start of like lockdowns and all and all and, and everything. You know, we 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 saw a, a a big buzz around the event as people were eager to get back and find out, um, you know, what what, what had been happening with the technology. Um, I think actually in, in the report from Context we had in October twenty twenty, um. You know, as China came back online in, in Q2 of 2020, um, 2020, so did the demand for industrial printers. Um, and so we saw like improved, improved shipments then mostly thanks to this bounce back in China. You know, the market remained kind of slow in Western markets with, with shipments actually down from the previous year. But China did start to see this this demand uh, really grow. Um and a lot of Chinese vendors at the time actually reported not only seeing shipments rise compared to Q1 of that year, but even higher shipment rates compared to just a year ago. And then further down the line, with the exception of some German metal 3D printing companies like the ones we talk about all the time, like SLM Solutions, almost all non-China-based top 20 industrial 3D printer companies saw significant year-on-year declines in number of units shipped. Um, you know, a lot of them citing um, double-digit year-on-year drops in shipments from just a year ago. But vendors um, that were in China actually reported a lot of success stories. You know, companies like uh, Union Tech, Farsoon, HBD actually saw quite a, a rise in shipments and, and even greater shipments um, totals than, than the year before. So it really did have this kind of uh, this bounce back and you know we we did see um we did see that change i'd say more recently maybe last year where we saw um you know the kind of a, a dip in the market as the zero covid policy came in and but we we've, we've seen that sort of come back again now as we've got more news from companies like this as we've seen more applications and more machine launches and hopefully that's just going to go um up and up now because it's not just the 
the big industrial companies that we've been talking about. It's also the desktop brands like Ray3D and SprintRay that have seen um, better growth in, in 2022 in terms of um, total machine shipments. So it's from all angles of the industry, really. And, and, and hopefully that's just going to be a continued upwards uh, trajectory now. Yeah, I was looking at some of the more recent context reports um, this morning and I, there was one that um, was was looking into Q3 of last year um, that they published at the start of 2023 and um, context had, had stated then that <clears throat> China was the largest market um, with 35% of the world's industrial 3D printer shipments and that's those with a $100,000 price point. Um, yeah. And they were they had the highest growth as well at thirty four percent, and then I think it was um, a slightly earlier report, or maybe slightly later, um, that it, it was saying that China's remained the the world's largest market for for industrial three D printing. Um, it's the destination for thirty nine percent of industrial metal three D printers across the globe, um, and then I think it was. Yeah, they were comparing it to um, the Q4 of 2022 in, in the US. Mm-hmm. And comparatively, there was a, a 2022, a 22% year on year volume drop for shipments for industrial mm-hmm. printers into the US in Q4 of 2022. So, on that comparison, um, China seems to have kind of dealt a little bit better, I guess, with with the, the kind of fluctuation through through COVID. I think I was looking earlier at like the just the general Chinese economy um, because obviously we've seen in, in certainly the UK and, and, and the US um, a, a lot of kind of instability with, with the economy and that's, mm. you know, that's had so many knock-on effects um, in, a, in a number of different ways and, and China's economy is kind of going for a period of instability but because it was it's been performing at like nine percent growth a year it's now down to like under five percent they're projecting like 4.5 percent for 2023 so that's kind of a significant drop but it's still higher than it's a higher growth than like the us the uk and and most european countries so there's Mm. it's it's growing it's probably going to grow slower for this year maybe next year as well because of the impact of covid but when you look at the the shipments on certainly in industrial um 3d printers it hasn't really had that much of an effect um mm. you not in a negative way anyway and obviously you know the manufacturing market over there is so big um and and yeah i guess you know a little fluctuation a little bit of a dip is is to be expected post covid especially as they they kind of return to normal life after the, the zero covid policy but you know it it hasn't really um, had that much of an impact, and and even then, like China's COVID restrictions came came to an end probably like 12, 18 months after after most of Europe and the US. So mm. that's probably to be expected. I think it'll it'll return to a normal level soon. And then I guess the only other kind of long term consideration is what reshoring does to the to the Chinese manufacturing market and then and what knock-on effect that has to to the investment in 3d print and if if america's successful in seeing a lot of its manufacturing return back to america what if any impact does that have on on the chinese manufacturing market and then on its investment in in 3d printing technologies it probably will have some impact but again mm. like china's so big there's so many people and there's so many companies that you know it'll be fine um 
so we don't have to worry but um, <laughs> it's just an interesting thing of like their, their economy's still fairly strong i think there's obviously reports in like america that it's you know they're, they're concerned about it but then there's a whole context that we won't go into there yeah, yeah. Um, but it's um yeah it's still seemingly doing well in terms of, of 3d printing and, and you know some of the companies we've touched on today are, are still you know reporting good numbers being shipped a lot of them um have these kind of return customers with you know with with a good number of, of machines going to the same place so it's still quite a healthy market it probably will have a little bit of a dip here and there as as they come out of the covid restrictions but um you know it it looks to be certainly on the industrial side but i'd probably assume so on the kind of lower end as well like a leading market for this industry so if you are heading to TST Asia next week, we also have uh, the TST Asia conference alongside it, which has been um, co-organized by our team um, over in Shanghai at VNU and also here in the UK. Um, so we have a real mix really of, um, of speakers from China and then uh, from uh, across the world um, from various industries. And I just want to kind of run through a, a few of the talks that you can you can go check out there. So we have uh, speakers from from Strawman, from um, University of Carlos III of Madrid. So that is Alba Gonzalez Alvarez, who was our uh, Women in 3D Printing Innovator Award winner for this year. She'll be giving a presentation there on the future of complex bone surgery using 3D printing. Um, speakers from the National Research Center for Tissue Engineering in China. We have biomaterials and medical devices. And um, we have two stages. So we have the main stage and also the tech stage as well. And the tech stage is going to be filled with more kind of um, industry panel sessions and, and I guess more kind of industry overview breakdowns, that sort of thing. And I think one of the most exciting things we've got on the tech stage is this um, C-suite panel session. Where we've got speakers from different companies. So we've got Fasting Technologies, um, YNMAT, Materialize, BASF, and we've got speakers from uh, Wallace Associates um, coming along, so many different uh, technical institutes. Um, it really is a kind of an, an all-encompassing um, program, and I think there'll be there'll be a lot there for newcomers to the industry and also people that have been in the industry for a long time. And um, We've got quite intro sort of I guess introductory uh, related presentations about sort of the opportunities and challenges of where AM is today, where it's headed, how do we get there, and also really um, drilling down into some specifics of certain industries and, and different challenges. So um, do have a look at the conference lineup. That will be it's online at tcasia.com, but we'll also have some bits from that in our preview at tcmagazine.com. But I think um, the best place to be to look for any other kind of preview content will be tstmagazine.com where we'll be publishing some Q&As with some of our key exhibitors, some more preview stuff, and I'm sure various bits of news throughout the week as we get press releases and launch details uh, from the show floor. So um, anything else anybody else wants to add? Enjoy the show. Oh, that's nice, Ollie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, our, our team at VNU have worked so, so hard uh, to bring this event together. They they always do, but um, I, I know it's going to be an amazing event. I know our team are excited to get back there. So if you're heading there, do say hello to them. Do stop them on the show floor and just, yeah, um, have a great time. We're excited to see what comes back from it. So if you want more artists of insight, head over to tctmagazine.com to get your free print subscription to TCT Magazine and also access to our weekly newsletter, which includes all the biggest news stories from the week. Um, and of course, as I said, plenty of TCT Asian news will be going up on the website this week. 
We'll also be a special TST Asia newsletter going out for our subscribers to give you all the info you need heading into the event. So thanks very much for listening and we'll see you again next time. Bye.